0: Last week, as we began chapter 29, we shared that verses 1 through 14 was a letter from Jeremiah to the exiles. It was the first of four letters. Today, we want to cover three letters when we're looking verses 15 through 32, but for our reading today, we're going to read verses 15 through 23. We'll get to those other verses as we go through the message, but But we want to think for a few moments on beware of those spreading lies. Beware of those spreading lies. According to the 19th century legend, and you all know when the 19th century was, don't you? None of you were born. (laughs) That's in the 1800s. (laughs) According to 19th century legend, the truth and the lie meet one day. The lie says to the truth, it's a marvelous day. Truth looks up to the skies. He sighs and says, or she sighs and says, for the day was really beautiful. It's amazing how you can have a wonderful day and all of a sudden a lie comes about and it just ruins the whole day. They spend a lot of time together Ultimately, arriving beside a well. The lie tells the truth. The water is very nice. Let's take a bath together. The truth, once again, suspicious, tests the water and discovers it is indeed nice. They undress and start bathing, and suddenly the lie comes out of the water. Puts on the clothes of the truth. And runs away. The furious truth comes out of the well. And runs everywhere to find the lie. And to get her clothes back. The world seeing the truth naked. Turns its gaze away with contempt and rage. The poor truth returns to the well. And disappears forever. Hiding therein its shame. And since then, the lie travels around the world dressed as the truth, satisfying the needs of society because the world, in any case, harbors no wish at all to meet the naked truth. Well, isn't that where we're at today? The world doesn't want to hear the pure naked truth because it reveals things. You know, someone in the 18th century or in the 19th century in the 1800s wrote this. As a matter of fact, I saw it on Facebook this week and just thought this fits right where this message is going. Because of lies, people in today, and I believe in every century, would rather believe a lie than the truth. Here we find this in Jeremiah, in chapter 29. The Bible says, verses 15 through 32. Because you have said, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, and concerning your brethren who have not gone out with you into captivity, because you have said the Lord has raised us prophets for us, raised up prophets for us in Babylon, therefore says I'm reading that over now. Therefore says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, and concerning your brethren who have not gone out into into captivity. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send to them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and will make them like rotten figs that cannot be eaten. They are so bad. And I will pursue them with the sword, with famine, and and with pestilence, and will deliver them into trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, an astonishment, a hissing, and a reproach among the nations where I have driven them. Because they have not heeded my words, says the Lord, which I sent to them by my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them neither. Would you heed, says the Lord. Therefore, hear the words of the Lord. All you of the captivity whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, the son of Gilead, And Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who prophesy a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. And because of them, a curse shall be taken up by all the captivity of Judah, who are in Babylon, saying, The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. Because they have done disgraceful things in Israel, have committed adultery with their neighbors, wise, and have spoken lying words in my name, which I have not commanded them. Indeed, I know and am a witness, says the Lord. God, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you for your truth. And we pray, God, that you would help us this day as we expound upon your word, that you would help us to see the truth and that we would beware of those who come bearing lies. God, we pray that you would be with us in this message and that whatever said and done, that you would be seen and that you would be heard. And if there's any with us today who doesn't have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that you would speak to their hearts this day. That he, the Holy Spirit, helped them to see their need for a Savior. And as they are broken and and they come forth. For we know that you love a broken and contrite heart. That God help them to call upon your name. For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God, we'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Uh, last week, as we did look at verses... 1 through 14 we were able to see a letter that was written that to the Jewish exiles it was written to encourage them that while they were in Babylon and here we look at verses 15 through 23 and we begin to recognize a second letter I don't know if you have even gave thought to the changes at these verses when you Look at verses 1 through 14, verse 15 seems to be a shift. And then when you look from verses 15 to 23, verse 24 begins to show a shift. And then from 24 to 29, verse 30 begins to show a shift. So we see the break of each and every one of these letters. And here in the first letter, it was a letter of encouragement. But in the second letter, which we're going to look at today as... Letter number two, (laughs) it is a letter that is warning the Jewish exiles. It's warning them against trusting the false prophets. They were given a message that promised the exiles a quick return back to their homeland. The problem with this is there was no homeland to go back to. These false prophets were telling them that soon and very soon we're going back home but God had made sure that the Babylonian army had just demolished Israel, had demolished Jerusalem, had demolished Judah. that where they, they had no place to go back to. It's hard to go home when home's not there. Uh, it's hard to go back to a place that is left in ruins, and that's where they were. The problem is here that, that while there's no home to go back to, no matter how much Hope or how much trust the people were putting in these false prophets, their message was still false. Listen, no matter how much we trust somebody, no matter how wonderful they may be, if they're not preaching and teaching the truth, we can't make a lie true. We can hold them high in this world if we want to, but if they're proclaiming something that is false, it is false. Now, I'm not getting on our former preachers because our former preachers did much better than I think I've done. I think there there are things that they were able to to be revealed to them through Scripture and, and because they didn't have quite the resources that I have, I've got more of a responsibility than many of them had. But I want to tell you, folks, if you're hearing somebody today who is revealing the truth to you, then it's the truth regardless of what anyone has said in the past. But if they're revealing a false statement to you, it doesn't matter how we twist it, how we turn it, it's still false. They can try to make it appear to be true. They can dodger it up with fancy words. But, but we preach the truth of the gospel and we preach it simply. Amen. We don't use excellence of speech. We just use the truth. And here in in letter number two, what we begin to notice in verse, is that, God has declared judgment upon Israel. In verses 15 through 18, we see that. In verses 16 through the first part of verse 17, what we see is Israel and their king is going to face the judgment of God. In the latter part of 17, it reveals that the people is going to suffer in war. They're going to suffer in famine and they're going to suffer with disease. We see also in verse 18 that the people would would be scattered among all the kingdoms of the earth. And as they're scattered, they're going to be mocked, and they're going to be cursed. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be looked down on. They're going to be treated terribly, much more terribly than you and I can fathom. And we have to ask the question, why? Why is it, God, that he's allowing him, allowing this to take place to his people, his chosen people? Well, I, then, you know, the answer to that is very simple. It's because they refused to obey the word of the Lord. I want to tell you folks. It doesn't matter how prideful we can be. It doesn't matter what we're afraid of. Uh, or what we're afraid people will think of us. If God speaks to us and tells us to move. We need to be obedient to the word of God. And we're going to face some sort of judgment of that. Here although God had sent his prophets. A warning time at the time at the time. He'd sent them to warn the people. They still refused to repent of their sins. They still refused to go turn back to God. But even though they did, God still, even though God allowed them to go into captivity, God still hadn't given up on them. He uses Jeremiah here to call out to the exiles, to hear and to obey the word of God. So Jeremiah we find he's contending with with false prophets who are of prophesying falsely, and, and i don 't know if you get really what 's going on. Jeremiah is prophesying the truth, and then here 's others who are prophesying something false, and, and it seems like there 's almost a competition to get the people to listen to them and the people are trying to figure out well who do we listen to? Do we listen to this man who 's weeping all the time? this man who 's been put in stocks and chains, or do we listen to these men who are free and who are wandering around and who are giving us something encouraging? Uh, Jeremiah is telling them they're going to be in captivity for 70 years These other prophets are saying we're going home real soon So they were having to make up their mind who they were going to listen to But I want us to understand what's going on in here This These false prophets were, were so that, that God names them He names them as Ahab and Zedekiah these two particular false prophets were so offensive to God that God wanted to call their names out as offended him. Boy, would, would you just hate for God to call your name out as being an offense to him? I'd hate to know my name was called out as being an offense to God. Because of the misleading of the people with their lies, God placed the judgment upon them. The false prophets would be turned over to King Nebuchadnezzar. As we read in here, we find Nebuchadnezzar heard their messages. And it appears that, that when he heard their messages, that they were going to soon be going back home. He thought that as being treasonous. And, and because of that, he, he had them burned alive. <laughs> in the eyes of God, they were guilty Of preaching deception they were giving people a false hope and a a false sense of security and they used this for their own good they what they did was by deceiving the people they were able to gain their trust and once they gained their trust they took advantage of the people by taking their neighbors wives to themselves and seducing them by their deception they were doing more than trying to establish a cult they were trying to establish a name for themselves, and folks, if this took back then, and it's still taking place right now, how bad was it then? I want to listen, folks. We have to really come to terms with this. As these cults were forming then, we still had to deal with them today, haven't we? And we, we, and and all they're trying to do was make a name for themselves. If we think about today. If we think about what's went on in our time, court leaders such as Jim Jones, as Charles Manson, David Koresh, and and, and Shoko... Uh, Asahari uh, ever how he pronounces that name these are just the name of few uh, who have tried to become court leaders they were spreading a false doctrine and, and they were destroying the lives of hundreds and even thousands of people making their name infamous and forever remembered when I rem- when I just called James Jones, uh, Jim Jones' name most of you in here if not all of you knew exactly who I was talking about when I mentioned David Koresh or Charles Manchin you've read or heard something about these men they are, their names become infamous they're forever remembered they will go on being remembered but what they're remembered for is destroying the lives of people <laughs> what well, we hear Paul as he encountered this same thing false teachers trying to destroy the lives of people they were trying to deceive new converts in, in Galatia and, and Paul recognized this that the false teachers, teachers had infiltrated the church in Galatians, and he and they began distorting the, the gospel, and, and they were returning or, or returning the people back to the law after they had already been convinced that they were justified by faith. It was so bad in Galatia that Paul says in chapter 3 and verse 1, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before the eyes of Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Paul knew the truth had been preached there. But then these men came in distorting the truth of the gospel, distorting the truth of the message of God's word. And because of that, people were being deceived. They were latching on these false teachers. Folks, they're everywhere even today. Anyone who preaches and teaches the gospel other than Jesus Christ and him crucified or preaching and teaching something. Or if they're preaching and teaching something that's not supported by the word of God, they're a false teacher. We need to leave them right where they're at listen I want you to know this I love you with everything in my being and, and I'm trying my best to preach the truth of God's word but I want you to know if you believe in your heart that you are a sinner and you're in need of a savior and you believe you believe with everything that Jesus Christ has been has left heaven come to earth lived a sinless life he gave his life on an old rugged cross for you and I he died and his blood was shed for our forgiveness he arose on the third day giving us victory over death hell and the grave if you believe this and you know this to be true and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you don't have to run the pews you don't have to shout everywhere you can know that you know that you know that you've been born again but I'd be lying to you if I tell you that you can come to him without a broken heart You can't come to God and be saved without being broken over your sins. You don't get saved because you miss mama. You don't get saved because you miss daddy. You don't get saved in hopes to see somebody in heaven other than Jesus Christ because he's the one who died for our sins. He loves a broken and a contrite heart. Because we know, we realize who we are. We're lost and undone on our way to a demon's hell. Because of our sins, Christ had to die on a cross. And now we have victory because of what he done. Amen. Folks, the truth of the gospel is not about running the pews it's not about shouting all over the place. Lord, let me tell you something. It's good if it happens. If the Holy Spirit moves you to run, you run. If he, moves you to, if he moves you to shout, you shout. Obey the word of God. Obey the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. But don't by any means be misled. Amen. That when you see people do it and you just don't feel the Spirit telling you to do it, <laughs> don't think that you're not saved. We're saved by faith. We're saved by faith. And by the grace of God. But folks, listen. These false teacher- teachers are everywhere. And we don't have an excuse today. I know there's from time to times we need help with the scriptures. I-, I need help with the scriptures. And there's many women God has gifted and give an understanding to to help us when we need help. But folks, we seek God first. We must be so in tune to God that we hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, the truth of God, it, when it's shared, we know that, it, that it's the truth because our spirit will bear witness to the truth, and we'll know it's God's voice that speaks to us. John 10 and 27 tells us, my sheep, Jesus said, my sheep my, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If we are his, if we belong to his, folks, we shouldn't be being misled, by this world's false teachers. Letter number three. Now here in letter number two, we see the warning that we are to beware of these false teachers. And we're we're told of the judgment that they faced. But in letter number two, in verses 24 through 29, the Bible says, and you shall also speak the Shema, Shemaiah, the Nehelamite, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You have sent letters in your name to all the people who are at Jerusalem, to Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, and to all the priests, saying, The Lord has made you priest instead of Jehoiada, Jehoiada the priest, who, so that there should be officers in the house of the Lord over every man who is demented and considers himself a prophet, that you should put him in prison in the stocks. Now, therefore, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth, who makes himself a prophet to you? For he has sent to us in Babylon, saying, This captivity is long. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat their fruit. And now, Zephaniah, if we stop there in verse 28. In verse 29, it says, Now Zephaniah the priest read the letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. What we see, we see the first letter in verses 1 through 14 of Jeremiah. We see the next letter in 15 through 23. And then in 24 through 29, we see a letter that, that a false prophet now writes. It's no longer Jeremiah's writings. This is the false prophet's writing. This is the third letter. It's the And as we look in this, what we see that... He is angry. This prophet is angry. So angry he writes this letter in an attempt to silence Jeremiah. He sent his letter to the priest, Zephaniah, and to all the other priests in the region. So let's notice the charges that he brings against Jeremiah. One, he says that he charged Jeremiah with being demented. Then Jeremiah needs to be imprisoned. And two, he says that Jeremiah is charged as a false prophet spreading a negative and a hopeless message. I don't know what you get out of Jeremiah's message. But when he said, we're going to go there for 70 years. What that tells me is there's a time when it will come to an end. So there's hope in that message. But these false prophets were in such competition with Jeremiah that they were seeing it as as Jeremiah was giving the people no hope. Jeremiah said it would be 70 years before they'd go back to their home. So he, he encouraged the people to settle down. He encouraged them to build houses, to plant gardens. And it infuriated these prophets so. Why? Why would this infuriate the prophets? Because they were th- it threatened their credibility. If the exiles believed Jeremiah, then the livelihoods of these false prophets were at stake. So what's the natural response when there's a threat? It is to get rid of the threat. If there's a threat to this country, things are put in place to get rid of the threat. And that's what they wanted. They wanted Jeremiah done away with. Have you ever wondered why we, the church... Don't try to silence those who don't want prayer in schools. You know what we've done as a church? We've said, if you don't want to pray, you don't have to pray. You don't have to pray, but we want to pray. That's what the church has done. Not only that, do you remember uh, a few years ago when when same-sex marriage was made legal? There wasn't any of the magistrates trying to. To not allow this illegal un- union to take place, they just wanted to have the option to say whether they perform this union or not. I never once heard the ch- heard of the church trying to dismantle the courthouse because of this law that was put in place. You know why that was? Because there are no threat to us. We're going to pray whether they tell us we can pray or not. We're going to do what God leads us to do whether they like it or not. They're not a threat to us and they can do what they want to do but we're going to obey the Lord because they're not a threat. However, they did, it were not okay with them that we wanted to pray in school and that they could be quiet. They wanted to silence us. It wasn't weren't, it weren't okay that, that people were able to legally get married or, or have some union whether it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman as long as somebody chose to perform this union. That weren't good enough. For them. They wanted to silence us and force us or take our jobs. You know why? Because we're a threat to them. We're a threat to Satan. The church is gonna always be a threat to our enemy. And I they, but why, folks, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. Satan is seeking to destroy us. Church, I want you to know that Satan's out to destroy us. But we we have a testimony that we must share with this lost and dying world. Every time we encounter someone who is lost, we need to somehow, someway, make a beeline to the gospel before they leave our presence. We need to help them to see that Jesus loves them. You want to tell you how you do it in a fast food restaurant? Or you want me to tell you how you do it when you're in a fast food restaurant? we got cards back there we got cards that said that's got our church name and we could just tell them look if you have any questions about jesus just go to this website on the back if you hand them that card you're witnessing you're telling them that you believe in jesus and they need jesus in their lives we need to share the gospel we're a threat to the enemy and he's wanting to silence us and but we're not to give in to the enemy's lives even if it means that we're persecuted John 10 and 10 says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy and I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly he wants us to have an abundant life even here on earth and unsaved I want you to know something you need to quit living beneath your privilege time is drawing near and you can't afford to, to buy into Satan's lies he don't have time you don't have time to wait he's telling you you've got plenty of time but you don't have time to wait you don't know when your last breath will be he doesn't care for you he can tell you all that you want to hear he can make it seem like he's setting you up for all kinds of success but he cares nothing for you he wants to destroy you he's telling you that you can't live the the Christian life I want you to know you can by the power and through the power of the Holy Spirit of God you can live the Christian life you may fall you may find yourself flat on your back from time to time but he encouraged you to get up and keep moving where this is a lifelong this is a, a, a lifelong race this is a lifelong run as long as we're here on earth we're going to be up and we're going to be down I've come to understand this the Christian life is not in and out we're not in and out of the church we're up and down there are times when we're on the mountain and there's times when we're in the valley, valley. But if we're sold out for God, then we're His, and there's nothing that can He can do about that. Amen. Some of you don't believe this. I told, the, I told the Bible study this week, I can't even get myself out of heaven. It's mine. You know why I can say that? Because I wouldn't want to try. I wouldn't want to try because I know I've been saved. If you know you've been saved, you're not going to want to try to miss heaven. Too many people walking around making a profession of faith when they don't possess Jesus Christ. But when you come broken, you'll possess him immediately. <laughs> yes, we see here in this letter that these prophets were threatened of Jeremiah. and They were trying to silence him. Folks, this world's trying to silence us. If we stay here along this community, I try to silence this place. So let's just shine brighter than the community. <laughs> let's shine much brighter than those, than those who are going to try to silence us. Let our message be greater than any message they can bring against us. And then we see letter number four. and We won't get out of your way in verses thirty through thirty-two. We see the change here where he says, "And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah." It's left the false prophet. Now, now we're back to Jeremiah. Saying, send to all those in captivity. Saying, thus says the Lord concerning Shemaiah the Nahelamite, Because Shemaiah has prophesied to you and I have not sent him. And he has caused you to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nahilamite and his family. He shall not have anyone to dwell among the people, nor shall he see the good that I will do for the people, says the Lord, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord. Jeremiah's third letter, which is the fourth letter in this chapter, it simply warns the people about Shemaiah. It's simply warning the people about the one who wrote the previous letter. The Lord instructed Jeremiah to share with the exiles that Shemiah stood condemned before the Lord. He was alive, but he was already condemned because he failed to believe in the Lord. He thought he could make it his own way. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know you can't make it your own way. You're already condemned. And if you don't come to know Jesus, you'll die condemned. Notice why he stood condemned. He was a false prophet claiming to have been sent by God. (laughs) Folks... We best, not, we best beware of what we say that God has said to us. We better know that we know his voice. And we better be sure that God has said it and not someone else. I don't know if you know this story or not. But when I was a little boy, my, my brother and I and my sister were dedicated at the same time. And in the middle of that dedication, the pastor heard what he said to be a word from God. He turned to my mother and said, did you hear that? She said, yes, I did. He told her, he didn't tell us, but he told her that one of your boys will carry the gospel. I never got that story. I never heard that story. My brother died at 16 and I was 23, and I still had never heard that story. But the day I come to their home after I announced my call to preach, she said, Hilton, I just need to tell you. The Lord told me a long time ago, one of my boys would carry the gospel. And when you died, your father reminded me that it had to be you. It had to be you when he died. When he left this world, there was no other boy. And if God is God and he sits on his throne, it had to be you. I'm so glad she never shared that with me. I'm so glad that God had to get a hold of me. And God had to change my life. And God had to convince me to serve him. And then God had to speak to me at a time when no one else was around. And I could hear nothing else but his voice. And he convinced me that he was calling me to preach the word of God. And then she shared. It with me later i'm so glad she didn't take away from me the blessing of knowing that i know that i know that i know i've been saved but not only that nobody can take away from me the fact that god has called me to do this we can't take that from people I hear preachers every once in a while because they hear someone testify or they hear somebody uh, lead a prayer that, that I believe God's calling you to preach. We don't have the authority to do that. We have the authority when we recognize a gift to nurture the gift, but we let God, we let God do the calling. Yes, here this man claimed to be someone he wasn't, claimed to be sent by someone he wasn't. He deceived them by telling them that they would soon return to their land. In this letter, Jeremiah announced that the Lord was going to punish this false prophet. His actions would affect his entire family. And none of his family would see the blessings of the Lord as the exiles return back. All the unrighteous on the earth, whether false prophets whether they're followers of false prophets or simply unbelieving individuals who refuse to trust in Christ, you will face a judgment. You will stand before God in judgment. All who do not trust Jesus as Savior will stand condemned before God. Romans 2, 5 through 11 says this, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God and who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory honor and immortality but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Unsaved, God has made every provision needed for you to escape judgment for your sins. He sent his only begotten son into this sin-cursed world to live a life demonstrating full obedience to us. He lived a sinless life, and for our sin, he died in our place, becoming the ultimate sacrifice for all sin. He was buried, and he arose on the third day, giving us victory over death, hell, and the grave. Thank God for Jesus now, if you understand that you are, if you understand that you're in need of a Savior and you believe Jesus Christ is God's Son, the Savior of the world and you're willing to receive Him as your Savior and confess Him as Lord then you can be saved. You can be saved. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I shared with you just a few moments ago that God loves a broken and contrite heart. And you must come to him because of your brokenness of your sin. And be exposed as a sinner to God in need of a Savior. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, You can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart. and You must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.